Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Good morning. Well, find those notes that they just finished talking about. We're looking at this subject of Inside Out. It's taken from Acts chapter 13, verse 22, where the writer there tells us about David, and that's who we're looking at this morning. He says, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, you know, this is a man I have found. He's the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. It starts on the inside, the heart, and works its way out. I found a man, my own heart, he'll do whatever I wanted him to do. Now, last week, we talked about Jonathan and friendship. This morning, we're going to talk about, yeah, I'll say it, Mephibosheth and desiring to show kindness. So, David takes his relationship with Jonathan to the ultimate. This morning, we're going to look at how this relationship played out after Jonathan has gone. So, we begin in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and that's where the story is, and that's where it's at, and we're going to read that in a moment. But let me just give you a little bit of background in 2 Samuel chapter 4. It says, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child, He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in the battle. And when the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. Five years old, this is how it happened. So here's the story, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David asked one day, he says, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Is there anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want to show kindness because of Jonathan, my relationship with him. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, I am, Ziba replied. And the king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive he is crippled in both feet. We know why. Where is he, the king asked. And in Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar, the son of Amariel. And so David sent for him and brought him from Makar's home. And he na- his name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Now, the Bible goes out of its way to make sure we get this connection. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Notice, not all the property that belonged to Jonathan, all the property that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Saul was a king. A lot of property. You'll eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? And the king summoned Saul's servant Ziva and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. 
And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. You think you have a lot of kids. And Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant. I will do all that you've commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and from then on, all the members of Ziva's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Now, <laughs> what a story. Because, you see, Jonathan's family, not Saul's. Jonathan, I want to show you, you, you the kindness. Saul... I don't care what he did to me, Jonathan, you were related, but I want to show you kindness. Now, you have to understand something in this whole scenario. There's only two ways to become king. One way is that you inherit the throne because the person before you was related to you. You were born into the family, and the royal line is established. Once that person steps up, the next person steps up, much like in Britain today. That's, that's one way you became king. The second way you became king is that you came in and you murdered, killed all of the descendants. That way, no one could step up and say, hey, I have a legal right to the throne. This is my grandfather. Now I belong. I should be king because I'm next in line. You didn't show kindness to them. You killed them. That's how you establish the kingship. And so David comes in and does it differently. He says, look, I know where we stand. I know what's going on. I understand that. But I want to show you kindness because of my relationship and my friendship with Jonathan. So let's look at the problems of Mephibosheth. Three things that we're going to look at. And as we go through this day, it's just a very simple little message, but it has great implications because in reality, as we're going to see as I go on, David is a type of, of God, like God, and Mephibosheth is a type like us. So here's the problem. He was an enemy. He was an enemy. Saul had caused so many problems for David. David had run for his life. David had had to hide out. David was unsettled his whole lifetime. And so, you know what? It, it was just a horrible thing. And, and imagine what went through Mephibosheth's mind when someone taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, the king wants to see you. <laughs> Uh-oh, this is it, end of the line. And so Mephibosheth comes in and says, I'm a dead dog. Why, why would you do this for me? I don't deserve to be here. It's all over now. Why is this happening to me? He was an enemy of David's. Secondly, he was crippled. He was crippled. He was crippled because of a fall. And all of his life, he struggled with a deformity. The Scriptures go out of their way to tell us, as mentions it several times, he was crippled, he was crippled, he was crippled. And all of his life, he struggled. All of his life, people probably looked down on him. All of his life, he was dependent on somebody else. All of his life, he lived the life as a cripple, looking because of the society at the time, people did not hold him in high regard. Secondly, he was in Lodabar. Now, to you and I, that's just a weird name of funky town. 
But you see, all those towns had meanings, and all those places had meanings. And in the Hebrew, Lodabar means no pasture, no bread, no provision. It was a place that was familiar with drought and poverty. There was nothing there. And so here's an heir to the throne living in a place of nothing with no provision, nothing going on, living in a place of, that's called Lodabar, barren, unfruitful, nothing there. But isn't that our problems? The problem of mankind, you and I. First of all, we're enemies. You see, before you accepted and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were enemies of God. We were not willing to serve Him. We were not willing to worship Him. We were not willing to love Him. We were not willing to obey Him. We did our own thing, went our own way. We wanted our way and not His. He, his ways were in direct barrier into what we wanted and how we wanted to go. We rejected Him as the King. Here's what the writer said in Romans 5, 8. God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, when we didn't care. Romans 8, 7. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. That nature you and I having within us, that nature that was in control before Christ came into our life, is always, underline the word, always hostile to God. It always goes against Him. It never did obey God's laws. It never will. Enemies against God, wanting our way and not His. You know, we, want, we should call Him Lord, but Lord means you're in control and you're the boss and all of us understand that we struggle with anybody telling us what to do, don't we? Don't look at me like that. We all do. So, we're enemies. Secondly, we're crippled. We're crippled. You see, because of Adam's fall, you and I are crippled by sin. Sin cripples our life. It causes us not to have the life that God intended it not, causes us not to have the full ability to do what God wants us to do and to live in a way that honors Him. And so cr sin cripples you. And we live in Lodabar. Spiritual drought. Spiritual poverty. Lacking the bread of life. Thirsty for a drink of the living water. Everything comes up empty. You know, we go our own way, we do our own thing, we think we've got it all together, but there's always something lacking, something missing. It's always in a manner that comes where it just seems like life isn't lived to its fullest. There's always just an element there that just doesn't measure up. And we're always just looking for something more and need a little something else. And we forget that we are against God and we kind of think we're in control and we should be able to fix it and we should be able to have this and have this. And life always comes up at a place when you're in control, when you're doing your own thing that it just cripples you and hamstrings you. It brings you to a place where you don't have what you need to have and you end up living a life of want. 
a life where you don't have the provision of what you really need, where you don't have the bread and the water that will satisfy you, and you never have to thirst again. And so we relate to Mephibosheth because we also experienced a fall. We also lived against an enemy of the king, thinking we should be the heir, thinking we should have the right to control, and we have nothing. But David comes and makes these promises to Mephibosheth. He comes to this place where he says, Mephibosheth, I understand what you're going through. I understand where you're at, but here's what I want to do for you. First of all, I'm going to show you kindness because of another. I want to show you kindness because of your father. Not because of you, not because of who you are, but because of someone else. Verse, 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. David says, look, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Not because of anything you've done, Mephibosheth, good or bad. Not because of anything you think you deserve. Not because of anything you have earned. I'm doing this simply because your father and I have a relationship, and I want to show kindness to you because of him, someone else. He says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. Look at verse 7, chapter 9. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. Mephibosheth, you've got nothing now. I want to give to you everything your grandfather had. I want you to have all the property. I want you to have all the resources that come from that. I want you to have everything else. And think about this. This guy, this man, goes from Lodabar where there's nothing to everything that the king had. That's quite a jump. That's quite a move. And David stands before him and says, look, I'm going to show you kindness because of my relationship with your father. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give to you everything your grandfather had and all the property that was his is now yours. Wow. And then he said, I'll care for you. I'll care for you. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. <laughs> now, think about this. I think the king's table was probably the best buffet you would ever get in your life. I think he had a little bit of everything, the finest cooks, the finest meats, the finest pastries. He probably had a dessert chef that just kind of whipped everything up. You know, had the fatted calf all the time, had everything he wanted. He said, look, not only am I going to give you, but I'm going to take care of you. I want you to always have, eat with me. You never have to worry again for the rest of your life about what you're going to eat, about not having anything. I will take care of all of this for you. You will always be safe here, and you will always have plenty. All because of a friendship. All because a man of God said, I want to show kindness to you. 
I don't want to destroy you. I have a right to. People expect me to kill you, to wipe you out and your whole family. I don't want to do that. I want to show you kindness. So he makes those promises to Mephibosheth. Now, in our comparison, let's go a step farther because here's the promises to mankind. Here's the promises that God does for us. Number one, I'm going to show kindness to you because of someone else. I'm going to show kindness to you because my son, Jesus Christ, is going to die on a cross so that you can have life. Nothing you've done nothing you deserve, nothing you've earned, nothing you can be good enough for. I just want to do this because I love you and I want to show kindness to you. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Notice, We have no part to play in that, do we? God says, I want to do this. I love you. I care for you. I want to do this for you. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Wow. He did all that. He has showered. Showered. You step into a shower, everything gets wet. It's everywhere, right? His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. I want to show kindness to you because of what my son has done. He has broken the barrier between you and I. He has dealt with the problem of sin. He has conquered it. He has defeated it. And through him, you can have life. It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of anything you deserve. It's simply because I love you, I care for you, and I'm going to show kindness to you. You see, sometimes we get mixed up because we think we serve a God of judgment. And God does judge. But more importantly, you and I need to understand we serve a God of kindness who stepped out of heaven to give to us everything we don't deserve. And he says, I'm going to show kindness to you, not because of anything you'll ever deserve in life, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want to show you kindness. That's incredible. And then he said, I'll go a step farther. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. You know, right now you had nothing. You've made a mess of life. Life is a mess. I want to make it better. I want to put you back where you belong. 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Now, please hear that. God is not your enemy. He's not. He's not against you. He prowls around like a luring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that you or family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You're never alone in what you're going through. 
There's always people everywhere go through similar things. Sometimes we think we're the only ones. Sometimes it feels like nobody else cares and understands. He says, look, stand firm in your faith. You're, you're not alone in this. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered and gone through some difficulties, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. He'll restore you. You know, it's really hard for us to forget our past, isn't it? It's really hard for us to forget all of our mistakes, our sins. It's even harder sometimes, though, to remember and to believe that God will take that, forgive it because of Christ, and make good out of it, isn't it? That's a hard thing for us to come to grips with. Wow, God's not out to get me. God's not out to punish me. God is kind. He wants to show kindness to me because of Christ. And he wants to restore me. And one day I will be with him forever. And I will be restored to that perfect state that he intended. And I get to live that way through eternity. Wow. What a great God. I'm not here to, I, I, I don't want to punish. I want to restore. I want to help make things new. I want to help you overcome the difficulties and the struggles and the failures and the hurts of life. I want to put you back on a solid footing. I want to put you in a place where you can be healthy and whole. And then I'll care for you. I'll care for you. Here's a hard one. God will take care of you. Okay, not quite the response that would be appropriate. There in your home, you should be jumping up and down or shouting in here and at least a little something. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, something. God will take care. I don't care what you're going through right now. God's going to take care of you. God will provide for you. God will help you. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. Don't be concerned about what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about that. Mephibosheth never had to worry about that anymore, did he? Not once. But do you think he ever did? I kind of do because he's human. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers and all over the world. Why? Because they're an enemy of God. They're doing their own thing. But your father already knows your needs. And seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't be afraid. It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Wow. I don't deserve it. You're right, you don't. But he does it because of another, doesn't he? 
2 Corinthians, God will generously provide all you need. You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Philippians 4.19, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now glory to God our Father forever and ever, amen. You and I go from nothing to everything. You and I go from being afraid of what's going to happen and trying to dodge bullets like Mephibosheth. I got to hide out the king. Maybe Lodabar will be a safe place. Don't have anything here, but maybe he'll never find me. Maybe it'll be okay. I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder when he's coming. I wonder when the next shoe's going to drop. I wonder when life is going to give me. I don't deserve this. I don't understand. I don't know. One day, Ziba knocks on the door and says, come with me. Uh Uh-oh, this is it. It's over. No. Mephibosheth, I want to show kindness to you because you're your dad. I want to take care of you. I don't want you living in Lodabar anymore. I want you to have everything you need. I want to restore to you all the stuff that you've lost. I want to give it all back to you. And he goes from the table of nothing to a table of plenty. And he says, Mephibosheth, put those crippled feet under the table. You're here with me now. It's okay. You'll have plenty to eat. God says to us today, as he's looking for us, why don't you come to me? I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to make you pay. I want to show kindness to you because Jesus Christ has paid the price. And I want you to come and I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you. I want to restore your life. I want to give you life. It's all yours. Do you think uh, David ever made fun of Mephibosheth because he was crippled? Now, do you think God ever makes fun of us because we're crippled by sin? Now, do you think David constantly reminded Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, here you are at my table, but remember when you used to be at Lodabar and Mephibosheth, if you don't toe the line, you're going back. You think he ever did that? Now, does God ever tell you, hey, straighten up or else? Does Jesus ever make fun of your weakness? Does he ever constantly remind you of your past? No, Satan does. But see, God wants to remind you of your future. He wants to remind you what you can have today. And so he says to all the Mephibosheths of the world, those people who are enemies of the cross, those people who were crippled because of sin, those people who lived in a place of no satisfaction. He sends this message. Don't be afraid. I want to show you kindness. And I want to restore to you everything that sin has robbed you of in life. And I promise you, I'll take care of you.
don't be afraid. What a great God to show kindness to us. And maybe you're hearing this today and thinking, you know what, I have been trying to do my own thing and live my own life and go my own way and I do always come up empty. This life doesn't seem to satisfy. I don't seem to have what I really want and when I get what I want, it never satisfies me like I think it would. And what you need today is to receive God's kindness to you. He wants to give you kindness. He doesn't want to make your life miserable. He doesn't want to beat you up because of sin. He wants to take care of you. He wants to restore you. And all you have to do is come and receive the kindness He's offering to you because of Jesus Christ. You can do that today. And for the Christians here this morning, you and I get to take communion to remind ourselves, I serve a God who did everything for me and shows me kindness because of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But it's not about me. It's about Him. So if you would take your cup or whatever you prepared for yourself at home, and as you hold these elements, would you just take a moment and remind yourself of promises of God because as we take this today what we're saying is God I believe in your kindness that you're given to me I believe God that you'll restore me take care of me I believe God that I don't have to be afraid thank you for your kindness today so if you'd take the little wafer or whatever else you have. And Lord, we just thank him for his body that was broken for us, right? And Jesus gathered with his disciples and he says, this body is broken for you. I want to show you kindness. And every time you eat of it, remember, remember what I'm doing. Shall we eat together? Then he took a cup. And he says, this is my blood which is shed for you. For you. Without it, there's no forgiveness of sins. But with it, your sins are forgiven. And every time you drink of it, Remember me. Shall we drink together? Lord, this morning, we just thank you for your kindness. We don't deserve it, but you give it. We thank you for Jesus Christ and how he came to bring to us salvation and how he died for us and how you sent him to show kindness to us so that we could be forgiven and restored in relationship to you thank you thank you Lord we thank you that you are a God who restores to us 
that we don't have to live in lack, that we don't always have to bear the brunt of all of our mistakes and all of our sins, but that you restore us to sons and daughters, heirs of the King, and that you promise to care for us, to provide, to take care. We never lack. We don't have to be afraid. And so, Lord, today we thank you for your kindness that you showed to us. And we remember all that you've done because you're a kind God. Thank you today. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.